kids and dinosaurs. They can never get enough. Welcome back to another Textination interview. National Geographic Kids is celebrating Dinomania Month. Paleontologist and National Geographic explorer Nizar Ibrahim is here with us. Great to meet you, Nizar. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, so many kids have this wonderful attraction to dinosaurs. Why do you think that is? That's a very good question. Um, I think kids have this natural curiosity about the world around them, right? So I think that's certainly something that helps. Um, dinosaurs are in some ways like, you know, the mythological dragons of our stories and fairy tales, but they are real, right? So that's kind of something really incredible about these animals. But, um, you know, Dinosaurs have a special place in our hearts, I think. You know, there are many other extinct animals. If you think of mammoths, for example, or, you know, marine reptiles, but there's something about dinosaurs that just makes them irresistible. And to all of us, you know, um, I do uh, many uh, Nat Geo Live events and, you know, work on exhibits. And the people that come to these events or these exhibits, it's, it's like cross-section through society. It's kids, adults, you know, retired people, you name it. Um, so they really have a, a sort of universal appeal. Your attraction uh, started really early on too, right? Yes, absolutely. And it started with a book. Um, I read a book on dinosaurs and other extinct animals. And so I discovered this entire lost world, this hidden world I didn't know existed. And I was hooked. And so um, I decided there and then, um, when I was around five years old, that I would become a paleontologist. Um, it was just uh, the perfect combination of, you know, um, working on animals and, you know, traveling to far-flung corners of the world and solving um, really challenging mysteries. Tell us what this Dinomania Month is all about. Sounds like a great idea. It is a great idea. I can't believe it took so long for someone to, to think of, uh, you know, this, this uh, celebration, Dinomania. It's a I mean, month we've been doing sharks for so long. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. And, you know, in, in the, you know, awesomeness ratings, dinosaurs clearly beat sharks. So um, we, we are celebrating our love for dinosaurs. And we're also celebrating the many incredible discoveries scientists have been making over the last five or 10 years. Um, on the Dinomania website, which is www.natgeokids.com slash Dinomania, you can find out more. Uh, you can find out more about um, incredible dinosaur books by Natgeo Kids Books. Um, I worked on some of these books, so I can highly recommend them. Um, you can download dinosaur posters. You can enter a design a dino contest. Uh, and you can find out more about these incredible creatures from the deep past of our planet. Now, you're doing much more than spending time with the books, et cetera. Uh, you're, you're still out there in, in the field, working a lot of the time in the Sahara, from what I understand? Yes, that's right. So um, when we look at the dinosaur story, uh, it's an incredibly interesting story because it um, is a story of huge evolutionary success. Dinosaurs are probably nature's ultimate success stories, right? Um, it is very, very unlikely that humans will ever match dinosaurs in terms of, you know, how long they're, you know, dominating planet Earth. Um, and one of the things I noticed about the dinosaur story, though, is that it is very biased. So much of what we know about the age of dinosaurs is based on discoveries from places like North America and Europe. 
So, uh, and that's the reason why many of the really famous dinosaurs we all know and love are creatures like T-Rex and Triceratops and Stegosaurus, right? Those are North American dinosaurs. Um, some other parts of the world are severely lagging behind and none more so than Africa. So working in Africa allows me to close some of these big gaps we have in our understanding of the dinosaur world. Um, and so many of the creatures we unearth in Africa are really bizarre, really unexpected dinosaurs. And um, so it's really about filling these big gaps in our knowledge. That's really what keeps drawing me back to places like the Sahara, um, which is a very uh, difficult place to work in. It's one of the most inhospitable places you can imagine. Well, you've hinted that there are some major revelations to come from the work that you and, and perhaps others are doing. Can you give us any, any more hints about that? Well, um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, you know, we recently unearthed um, many bones of this giant uh, predatory dinosaur, Spinosaurus, got a big sail back and a paddle-like tail. It's a water-loving dinosaur, really bizarre, really unique. And we're going to reveal a little more about this strange river monster, this fish hunting dinosaur. Um, we also unearthed um, and described a number of new bones of very large flying reptiles, pterosaurs, uh, huge flyers that lived alongside the dinosaurs. Um, and we uncovered some really, really exciting uh, pterosaurs over the last few years. Um, so you'll find out more about those very soon. And we also have one very big discovery we made. And all I'm gonna say about that discovery is that it's so big, you can even see it from space. Wow, I can't wait for that one. Do you have a favorite? I mean, kids are always talking this way. Do you have a favorite among the dinosaurs? Oh, that's a really tough one because when you work on dinosaurs professionally, what happens is, you know, um, you know you're so focused on this dinosaur you happen to work on that kind of becomes your favorite dinosaur, right? But then you move on to the next project and that kind of becomes your favorite dinosaur, right? So, um, so but I can give you a couple of uh, candidates. Um, certainly Spinosaurus has a special place in my heart just because it's such a weird and bizarre dinosaur, but there are um, several other amazing dinosaurs I would count amongst my favorites. Um, one good example would be a, a predatory dinosaur from Argentina and has one of the coolest names in the world of dinosaurs. It's a creature called Carnotaurus. Carnotaurus means flesh-eating bull, which is very fitting because it was a predatory dinosaur with a short snout, a bit like a bulldog, and it had horns on its head. So it was a predatory dinosaur with horns. Um, and uh, yeah, that would be another one of my favorites, but there's so many to pick from. I mean, kids can go to the Dinomania website and try to see if they can find the, you know, their favorite dinosaur but there are so many incredible ones out there. From a more philosophical approach, why is it important that we continue to, to learn and, and, and about dinosaurs? Well, I mentioned that dinosaurs are essentially um, life's, uh, or one of life's greatest success stories, right? Um, and it is a really interesting question scientifically to find out how one group of animals could be so dominant, so successful for such a long time. Dinosaurs lived on a planet, you know, of moving continents and volcanism on a scale we cannot even begin to imagine. Sea level rises and falls and you name it. And dinosaurs survived all of that. Um, 
and, and they continue to be very successful. Uh, one branch of the dinosaur tree made it through the extinction event at the end of the Cretaceous. And those are the animals we now call birds. Birds are dinosaurs, they're surviving dinosaurs. We also know the dinosaurs quote unquote invented feathers, we found feathers on some dinosaurs. And so um, dinosaurs still, are still amongst us. Um, there are more bird species than mammal species in the world today. So you could say we still live in a world of dinosaurs in some ways. Um, so that already makes them very interesting. But more importantly, and to go back to your, you know, kind of philosophical point, um, we live in a world where we're facing some fundamental challenges, things like climate change, changes in sea levels, and extinction, right? We have triggered a huge biodiversity crisis, right? Um, many, many uh, organisms are going extinct at the moment at a rate we haven't seen since the ex extinction of the dinosaurs, by the way. And so the only way we can really understand the long-term consequences of these big global events is by traveling back in time. Um, because in the deep past of our planet, we see all of these things, changes in sea levels, extinction events, you know, you name it. And so understanding these ancient lost worlds and how they recovered from extinction events, for example, is really, really important for our understanding of the present and also for our preparation for the future. So it's, uh, it's basically this ability to be a time traveler that, you know, makes a paleontologist a, a really important piece of this story, you know, being able to travel back in time and, you know, share stories of, of the past of our planet. You know, it really helps us understand how our planet works at a large scale and in the long term. I have a couple of grandsons, five-year-old Max and four-year-old Luke, his brother, uh, who aspire to follow in your footsteps, as a lot of kids their age do, I think. What advice do you have for them? Well, um, stay curious. Um, you have to take all the science classes you can. Biology is particularly important. Um, it's not the easiest path, but it is a very rewarding uh, profession for sure. As I said, you get to be a time traveler. Not many people get to do that. Um, you can maybe volunteer at your local museum, you know, uh, have a tour of their, their fossil lab, maybe. Uh, you can go out fossil hunting. That's how many of us started, you know, hunting fossils somewhere. Um, so that's really the best way to kind of prepare for uh, a lifetime of dinosaur hunting, I guess. So for more info, once again, oh, where, yeah. where, where should people go? You go to www.nagiokids.com slash dinomania. Thank you so much for taking the time with us. Really appreciate it and happy to celebrate Dinomania Month. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do that uh, every year now. I think it's, uh, it's about time. <laughs> now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio. And that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions, too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. 
It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC SkyWave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.